This has been one of those days, guys. We um, it's it's all gonna be fine. We're four minutes into the podcast right now, and this is the first thing you're hearing because <laughs> the mics were muted. Um, oh. We just came off of a challenging few moments of parenting, which are interesting. Yes. Um, and so here we are. We're we're here. We're we, we're it. gonna make it happen. So uh, anyway, <laughs> what we're talking about today is what we're calling. <laughs> Get ourselves together enough to keep going. All right. Well, we're calling our chaos loop, um, which is the thing we have right here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have the other side of this, which is a freedom loop. And this is just from our experience, kind of what we experienced financially. Mm-hmm. And the chaos loop being the thing that will drag you down. And it's like a downward spiral into a bigger and deeper mess financially. And then uh, on the other hand, we have this freedom loop that works in the opposite direction. And that leads you, it's an upward spiral, which is awesome, right? Right. And uh, anyway, so this is such a powerful thing. Like once we were kind of able to see this through this lens, um, you know, and again, like I've had the opportunity to be able to talk to thousands of people about their finances and hear their financial situation. And so there's just some patterns here. So even outside of our own lives, Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been able to see this at work in different people's lives and identify, all right, there is a pattern here that there are so many people who are in stuck in this chaos loop that we're talking about here. And then there are some who managed to get out of that. They break or, out of it. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. what, how, how did they do that? What, yeah. What's the secret here? And these are the things I've identified with that. And so I want to just comment on this a little bit. And so kind of looking at this, it starts with this t- triggering event. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this can be any number of things. You get a flat tire. Yeah. So like you that have was a one medical for us bill. before. Yeah. Unexpected. Last year we had an unexpected series of medical bills. It was $20,000. Yeah. Like, that was a significant triggering event. Or you lose your job. Yeah. Like that's a big one. I mean, it could be any kind of thing. We're right. talking to somebody. 2020 happens. Yeah. We were talking to somebody <laughs> who said that, um, you know, every once in a while they open their banking uh, app and they're like, I have no idea what's going to be in there. And then they see, and then it's like, all right, new thing is triggered. Okay. Right. Um, so, yeah, and I remember, uh, yeah, one, one of these moments, like kind of where we can talk about some of this story a little bit, but when I was driving home from a conference in Texas, <laughs> I... Uh, so Bob's driving home from a conference in Texas. He calls me once and he's like, Linda, I just got a speeding ticket. And I was like, okay, all right, well, that stinks, but, you know, and he's like, I, he wants to get it fixed because, you know, it's better for your record or whatever. And so then he calls me a couple hours later and goes, Linda, I got another speeding ticket. (laughs) And then I'm not kidding you, like maybe two weeks after that, you got another one. And you're like, they tagged our cards. The police know (laughs) they're following us. (laughs) Do you remember that? Okay. You're like, how is this? And I'm like, listen, dude, I've been driving this car too, and I have not gotten one ticket. So I will say this. I think it's your driving, bro. Those two tickets came while I was driving through Oklahoma, so... Um, no I mean, shade to Oklahoma, but if you're driving through Oklahoma, be careful. Be I'll just say that. <laughs> I mean, this was like 10 years ago. Uh, yeah. They, they might sure have was. a whole new system well, in place at this know. point, but anyway. Anyway, so point yeah, is. Three tickets within like a That was a triggering a event, you know, and what, what happens weeks. with this is, you know, when you have this triggering event, it leads to panic in many cases. Yeah. You know, where... It's like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What? You know? <laughs> well, and we all handle panic differently, don't you think? Yeah. It's like, so yeah, for, for you, you go into panic mode and you're like, all right, well, I mean, what do you do? What's usually your your default? I try to solve it with my brain. <laughs> I think that's the yeah. best way to put it. I, I try to figure out, all right, 
this is what's going on. And then, you know, while the fear is kind of sitting in, like, what can I do? How can I blah, 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 blah. Like, really, I would say it's not turning to God. It's not, um, and when I'm at my worst, it's not turning to God. It's right. me trying to figure out my own strength, you know? Well, and I think for me, I start feeling panicked and then I start feeling restricted because I think, well, we're going to have to pay for this somehow. So we can't pay for it, you know, out of a magic money account, yeah. <laughs> which I always talk about magic money. But we're going to have to figure out where it's going to come from. And then I start feeling really restricted. And then I that triggers my desire to shop more. So I end up just going and spending money when I get panicked. So panicking just amplifies it. It makes it, makes it, it worse. worse. Like yeah. instead of trying to fix it, I start, I, it's because I, I think, how can we fix it? And I don't know how that I start to feel even more restricted. And that's when yeah. I just like emotionally shop. Yeah. <laughs> and so out of that panic comes this resisting phase, uh-huh. okay? And so this is resisting, I mean, kind of what you are just talking about there, resisting, facing the facts. Like we know yeah, some totally. people who this is the point where they bury their head in the sand, pretend like it's not happening. <laughs> um, but also in this is kind of maybe a restriction component where mm. it's like, uh, you know, maybe going into hyper penny pinching mode where it's like, all right, you have a whatever, $10,000 bill that just came due because of a medical expense. And it's like, all right, now I'm going to go cut Netflix or something. And it's like, <laughs> okay, $7 that's fine, a month is not going to not fix the problem. going to solve the problem. Yeah. And it doesn't mean don't try to do, you know, right. as much as you can. But, but out of desperation, you might think that that's, yeah, I, I just have to do this. And this is, and there's a hundred things like that. And like, that doesn't solve the problem. Honestly, I do that a lot. I'm like, Bob, what if we did this, this, and this? And you're like, that's going to save us $30. We need a thousand dollars. Yeah. So again, like, like, and it's not like, cause this can go either direction. You can go to the extreme of like not trying anything. And it's like, there's, yeah. So it's all a matter of the heart and in your mindset in all of this, you know, mm-hmm. cause also in this phase is like maybe the shame and blame thing where oh, it's yeah. like, you know, so I go get these three speeding tickets in two weeks and now it's hard to buy groceries. And so, and and so I'm and like, you didn't do this, I but didn't. you could have. I could have easily like, been if like, if you would have just driven blah, 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 then we'd be able to buy groceries. You know? What the heck? Yeah. After you got one ticket, wasn't that enough for you to learn your lesson? Clearly not. Yeah. I didn't so, say any of that. I'm just saying it now. I, I think you did great when I remember that. But, um, and then that, this phase leads to this stalling phase or what we're calling a stalling phase. Mm. And this is where, um, again, like this is a continuation of the burying your head in the sand, but also the what I would say is short-term urgency at the sake of long-term wisdom, okay? So the idea of like kicking the can down the road and so making decisions right now just to survive that are going to have negative consequences in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, so an extreme example of this, like as this downward spiral goes down and down and down, like you get to the point where you got all these credit cards and you can't even pay the minimums anymore. And so now you're going to get a payday loan at 150% interest or something insane just to be able to get by for the next two weeks. But then it's just going to be worse next month because right. now you got to deal with that payday loan on top of that. So you got to go get another one. So it's this right. constant begging Peter to pay Paul, robbing Peter, pay Paul thing. Yeah. Uh, and you, yeah. And, and so anyone who, as if you're listening to this, like, uh, if you live in any amount of life, you probably know what I'm talking about. Even if you yeah. haven't been in the depths of this downward cycle, um, yeah, you understand what I'm talking about because even if you've done well financially, you've probably seen pieces of this in your life where mm-hmm. you've just kind of struggled with this a little bit. Um, 
And, and that's the thing. It's like you want to stop it in its tracks right. as fast as you can. Right. And so the way that you do this mm-hmm. um, is by, let me go get over to our next slide here, what we call the freedom loop. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, these two are moving in opposite direction. And so mm-hmm. this freedom loop is moving clockwise, whereas the, uh, the chaos loop is moving counterclockwise. Because that's right. the thing. If you have all this inertia going spinning in this direction, like you can't just immediately stop it. But you need to do things going in the opposite direction right. to start pushing back against it, you mm-hmm. know. And as you can imagine, these aren't like overnight fixes that instantly change all this stuff. But the point is you want to start doing what you can do in this freedom loop to kind of work against what's happening in the chaos loop. Yeah. And to begin having more momentum going in this direction to right. where you have that upward spiral. Yeah. Okay. And so anyway, so this whole process, and we'll spend a little bit more time going over um, this process today, but this whole process begins with identifying. Okay. Mm. And it's identifying that big, um, one big money saving opportunity or one big opportunity to kind of reduce your spending, whatever mm. that is, you know? Yeah. And so there's a couple of different approaches to this, but one that I want to talk about today is um, based off of a decluttering kind of method that I heard about called the RFC method. Mm. Okay. And so let me just come over here and I'll break this down. So this is a decluttering method that people will use when decluttering their house to Mm -hmm. kind of determine what to keep, what to get rid of and things like that. And so it asks three different questions. So the first one is recency. Have I used this item in the last 90 days? Okay, the second one is frequency. Do I use it regularly? And the third one is cost. Could I replace it for less than $20? Mm-hmm. And by going through your house and just kind of looking at the items on your shelf and just asking these questions, you can evaluate whether or not you should keep the item or save it or yeah. whatever else. And it's just a helpful framework because we've gone through a couple different phases of like mass decluttering and I know having these mental models to kind of work through is super yeah. helpful. Well, and you can also think about it like if you have a storage unit full of stuff. Yes. And, you know, it, it's like if you, if you get a storage unit because you're moving from one house to the next and you're going to be using everything, you know, that, that's that's reasonable. That's understandable. But if you just have a storage unit of just a bunch of random stuff that you're like, one day I'm going to sell this, you yes. find out like uh, – is it costing you more to store it than it is than what you would like the pay you would get back from yeah. it? And it's hard to to be honest with well, yourself about that. Yeah, but like we talked to or I remember hearing somebody's story who um basically had this big old storage student of all or unit of all the stuff they were gonna sell and they were paying what a ton of money for it each month. And the reality is is they probably couldn't sell everything in there for more than a couple months worth of what they were or paying. I so think it was more the, than one month. I don't think yeah, they could. Like, yeah. So anyway, so the point is, it's just a helpful way to kind of think through and evaluate. Yeah. But in terms of what we're talking about today, I want to break this down and kind of look at how we can use this for our money. And I right. want to break it out by what I'm calling the cost versus frequency matrix. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so Bob loves a good matrix. <laughs> That's his favorite movie too. I mean, a long time ago it was. I don't know if I'd still say that. What's your favorite movie now, you think? Oh. He's like The Passion of the Christ. Passion of the Christ. Um, Only Jesus movies. I think there's a new one coming up. What's your favorite book, the Bible? Well, as if you heard our episode the other day, Sound of Freedom was pretty impactful. Yeah, it really was. Um, But anyway. Anyway. Okay, coming back. Uh, So You've Got Mail is not You've Got Mail is on my list of one to (laughs) 50,000 somewhere. Um, I would say it's in the uh, quadruple digits if I were guessing. Oh, my gosh. Uh, anyway, anyway, so the cost versus frequency matrix. Okay, yeah. so on the this uh, axes here, <laughs> I love saying axes. Um, 
This is the cost, okay? So more dollar signs, higher cost, one dollar sign lower, okay? And then on this side, we're looking at anything on the right side of this is things that we're doing more frequently and then things that we're doing less frequently, right? On so the left. on the left side of this whole matrix, we have things that we just do not use very frequently. Mm-hmm. And on the right side, we have things that we use all the time. The okay? top is more expensive, but the bottom is yeah. less expensive. Yeah. And so um, if you're listening and you're not driving, grab a piece of paper, grab your phone or something. Um, yeah, probably easier with a piece of paper and just draw this thing out. Mm-hmm. And let's start getting some items on here of things that spending decisions that you might be making soon or that you've recently made, okay? And so I'm going to share a couple examples um, of what this could be and, and what this might look like, okay? So uh, just pulling this up here. So on the first spot, all the way in this top left corner, we have a boat, okay? So it's super expensive, so it's super now, high this up. this is not going to be for everyone. This is for us, right? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we do yeah. this so for this ourselves. this is completely different for every individual. Yes. So in this case, we have... For us, if we owned a boat, in which, you know, as part of me would love to own a boat, the reality is, is we would not use it very frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's super expensive. We'd use it maybe like twice a year. Yeah, it would probably just be a couple times a year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, on the Also on this less frequent side, what we have is, if you don't even know what this thing is, it's a floor nailer. And so we laid <laughs> down, um, in our old house, we laid down a hardwood floor. And so I bought a floor nailer to lay down that hardwood floor. Okay. Um, I used it one time. <laughs> and so it was very infrequent. It was, you know, relatively expensive. It was a tool I had to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, over on the other side, we have, you know, an iPhone or something. So it's not cheap. It's a little bit higher up on this matrix. But it is something that we're using all the time. All the time. Very frequently. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you're drinking Starbucks three times a day, you know, it's kind of in the middle range of price and this is all relative like you know this right. you can look at this anyway you can look at this you know starbucks versus folgers versus you know barista parlor here in nashville and on the price right. range however you want to do it but but the point is, is i that, just wait i just got a nine dollar latte the other day and i just saw it come through on the thing and i was like are you from kidding where? me well i don't want to say because i do like that place but it just was a nine dollar latte really and I was Dang. like, never again. This is got some expensive <laughs> coffee here. Too guys. much. Like it was a, a moment of enjoying of enjoyment. Is that the word? Sure. <laughs> but I, then I was, I saw the price, and I was like, I, I gotta, I can't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, and then over in this bottom right hand corner. Uh, we have Netflix, okay? And so, again, this depends on, but we watch Netflix a good bit. So it's relatively low cost, right. like whatever, $10, $12 a month, and it's super and high frequency. Frequency, yeah. Okay. And so, like you were saying, uh, it's important to note this is very different for everyone. Like, you might be listening and you're like, wait a minute, I have a Netflix subscription that I've been paying for for an entire year and mm-hmm. I haven't used it once. And so then right. now that moves all the way over to the left side of this um, matrix for you. Uh-huh. And it's like, that's probably something you should get rid of. You know, if you're just not using it, you know, and the goal of this whole matrix is to move as many things towards the right to maximize the value that you get out of everything Mm -hmm. you buy. Because if it's all the way on this left side, you're just not maximizing the value of what you get out of it. But like a contractor needs a floor nailer. Yeah. They need it in their life. Yeah. And an essential part of what they're doing and probably are using it way more frequently than I am, you know. But the bottom line, in the top left corner, this is the stuff that generally we want to avoid mm-hmm. um, buying. Right. And this falls into the category of rent or borrow. This is a rent or borrow zone, right? Mm-hmm. And so in our case, as much as I would love to have a boat, 
it makes a whole lot more sense for us to rent a boat once or twice a year than for yeah. me to buy one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same thing with that floor nailer. Like it would have been, since I only used it one time, it would have been a whole lot smarter for me Do to. Do we still have that? No. I ended up selling it, which oh, is, good. I mean, we'll talk about that in good, a minute, good. like the benefit of doing that, the advantage of that. Um, but that just would have been a better thing for me to rent yeah. rather than buy, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and on the other hand, on the other side of things, like I think there are like rent to own companies who have some of these super frequent items that people are renting that it's like, maybe you shouldn't rent that. I remember my first apartment, uh, I rented a couch, an end table and I don't oh, like, they just, you only lived there for a few months. They furnished my apartment, but like once yeah. I found out, realized how much I was paying per month for all this stuff, I'm like, I can go buy all this stuff, probably better stuff and then for way cheaper. It. Yeah, like yeah. it was such a ripoff, oh my you gosh. know. But point is, they were items I was frequently using, like every day. But um, I was renting them, and I should have been buying wow. them. Wow, you know. So interesting. Anyway, okay. And another thing to note here, like we kind of just mentioned here, like with this floor note, as your life changes, things very well are going to shift mm-hmm. from side to side, you know, and I guess potentially right. maybe even up and down, you know. Um, yeah, because so, once you get kids, things change, you know. Yeah. Once your kids move out or they just even move past like an age, a certain age, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, and, and I think back to, you know, uh, earlier this year, we spent a month down in Florida on 30A mm-hmm. and um, we rode bikes, what, I don't know, almost every almost other day. Every day probably yeah. if it wasn't raining, we probably rode bikes. So we, we had a really high frequency and we were doing it. And then we came back here and we've ridden our bikes like one time in the last six months. <laughs> right? So it's like... Maybe so this twice. can be really quick. Right. Like it can change really, really quick. But yeah. but the point is, like, think through your life uh, in terms of things that might have shifted or slid from one side to the other. Mm-hmm. And like we just kind of mentioned with this floor nailer, this is an opportunity to also identify things that we can sell to make some money. Right. You know. Um, yeah. And so I'm thinking back to there was a time where I rode a scooter. I had a 50cc or 125cc, both of them, I guess, scooter as well as a motorcycle. And there was a time where I was riding them a bit more. And then they just like, you know, slowly moved further and further over to this left side to where it's like they're taking up space in the garage. Um, I'm having to maintain them and I'm only riding actually two times a year. And it's like, all right, it's time for them to go. It's time to sell them. That was sad. That was one of those things where I was like, oh, man. So like we're sad to see it go, you know. But This is a really important point, though, is that. Oftentimes, a lot of these things that are really far on this left side that we're like struggling to get rid of, they are actually things that there's identity component tied up into yeah. it. Yeah, or and, emotional component, you know. Yeah, sentimental thing, but like the identity factor is a big one. Like so the motorcycle, it's like I didn't have like a huge thing, identity piece of me being someone who rides a motorcycle. But but yeah, but that was part of who I was. And so that was like letting this go. I am no longer that a motorcycle owner. Um, you know, so there's something there. I wonder who's surprised by Bob saying he's a motorcycle owner right now. Yeah, I don't know. They're like, really? Bob. Not anymore. Used to be. I might rent one once in a while. But but the thing that was more significant for me, in which I still am not even done with, is um, music. Like, you know, I used to be a worship leader at my church, you know, for many, many years and mm-hmm. really involved in music and writing, recording music and uh, really involved. It was a huge part of my life. And it just isn't anymore. Yeah. And I, I did get rid of a lot of equipment, but there's still probably too many guitars that I own. Mm-hmm. Like I probably don't Maybe. need, I guess I have four guitars. I probably don't need four guitars anymore. Four? I mean, including the bass. Yeah. Wow. 
The kids though pulled so, out the um, the electric guitar and the amp the other day. I left the room. They don't know how to the play quiet. yet. <laughs> they don't know how to play, so it doesn't sound uh, they, great. They pulled out that and the harmonica, and I was like, "Bye, have fun." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's an important thing to consider um, as well. Is like, mm-hmm. how is your identity being tied up yeah. in some of these things? Right. So kind of like flipping this or not even flipping it, but another simple way that I like to think about all these things um, is through the lens of cost per use. Mm. Okay. And uh, I know you've talked about this a lot with clothes yes. and how that these kind of pieces work together. But um, but I think this is such a helpful way to think about spending decisions that you might make right. um, and or purchases you have made. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's a really simple math problem. Basically, you take the cost of the item and you divide it by the number of uses that you have, and that gives you the cost per use. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, so we'll go over a couple examples here for a sec- in a second. But um, you're never going to know this number exact. Like, I mean, you're super nerdy. If you have a spreadsheet where you're writing down every time I wear that shirt, you know, so it's like, I'm not no, encouraging that. It's not that. worth your time is, I guess, what we're yeah. saying. But yes. But using a rough ballpark, like you're using right. this as a way to kind of gauge in general. It's like I can look at pieces in my closet and say, I've worn that two times or that right. I've worn probably hundreds of times. Right. And that's the big thing. We're looking for the big, obvious thing mm-hmm. there. And so like with the motorcycle, it was pretty clear for me to remember. I think I've ridden that two times this year. Yeah. And therefore, like that, especially if I were going to buy it at that point. um, You never would. Yeah, absolutely not. Right. And and I think that's what honestly like helped me. And not that we were ever super serious about buying a boat, but Mm -hmm. something where it's like that's something that I would like to think through that lens of realistically, how often would we like our season is much shorter here, too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like so many months a year we can't even use it if we wanted to. And We'd have to drive over to a lake and how many weekends Gosh. are we actually going to do it? Like it just wouldn't happen very much. And so no, like yeah. best case, it would be a couple times a year, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And what that ends up being is, okay, so depreciation on boats is terrible. And so that probably means each trip is a few thousand dollars. Oh, my god! And so it's like it's probably just, just a lot cheaper to rent. Yeah. It's just a lot cheaper to rent. And so anyway, so kind of looking at a couple examples here. One example like from my life right now, like I am wearing a pair of joggers or – Sweatpants, whatever you want to call them. And uh, sweatpants is the old term. Now they're called joggers. Now they're called joggers. And so I have bought multiple joggers from HM, uh, where I've paid somewhere from twenty to thirty dollars for them right. or something. And uh, the problem with them, and honestly a lot of clothes from HM that I've bought, is that it just doesn't last. And you wear those for about three months and then you're like, this is stretched out honestly, everywhere. A lot of times I feel like I wash it once and it's like just not the same. And well, yeah. Anyway, by contrast, right now I'm wearing a pair of joggers that I bought from Lululemon that cost $120. And the first time I, I saw that price tag, I'm like, that's insane. Why would I ever pay four times as much for a pair of pants? Like, yeah. But here's the thing. This is why. Okay. I'm going to show you this right here. Um, this H&M pair of joggers, $30. I am saying at best, maybe 10 uses, which comes out to $3 per use. Okay. Now, these Lululemon joggers, I don't know if I've worn them 100 times yet, but I have no doubt. I have that no doubt. I'm You'll going wear to wear them 100, them 100 times. times. Yeah. I wear them nonstop. They're like the. <laughs> they're your favorite pants. If you ever see me, they're probably the pants that I have on. 
And so they're $120, but um, I conservatively would say that I'm going to get 100 uses out of them if I mm -hmm. haven't already. And right. so that comes out to $1.20 per use. Right. So even though they're four times more expensive, they're actually a far better value and better mm -hmm. purchase for me to make than these um, H&M joggers. Not to mention, you could probably resell them, and you can't yeah. resell H&M Like, that's joggers. a whole other factor. And yeah. they look better. I... I like that. I, you look everything. Hot there you go. Let's be real. So you got you look hotter too. Uh, you look hotter too. <laughs> and so I understand. Yeah. So another piece to add to this too you do is, <laughs> you know, at the uh, what I would say at the beginning of our marriage when mm -hmm. we were like broke as broke can be, I wouldn't have been able to buy these. Right. You know. So so that's another factor to consider here. Um, sometimes you are at a season where you just have to buy the cheaper thing. And if that's where you are, that's what you have to do. Like, that's fine. But you need to understand that this is still at play either way. Yeah. Well, and I mean, just a random clothing tip because, you know, let's why not throw it in here? But I noticed that some of the items that I spend less money on, I like. If I were to try it on again, brand new, I would probably still like it. But because I've washed it and it's gotten weird it goes out of style for me a lot faster. However, mm. there are other, there's a J. Crew sweater I bought probably 10 or 11 years ago that is um, cashmere and it still looks good. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like styles have changed. Lots has changed. But for some reason, it was like an item that I spent more money on and it yeah. still looks good. And I think that there's part of that in there where it's like, well, sure, it's not just that. Like, I have a lot of people who are like, well, I just like new styles. And it's like, no, you like feeling great in your clothes. Do you know what I mean? It's true, yeah. And if you are spending just a couple pennies on something because you're like, well, it's on sale, it's $3, I should just buy it. It's like, yeah, but that's still $3 that you're throwing down the toilet. I don't know, that's just... Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. That's just a clothing hack that I've found yeah. that works. All right, so let's look at one more quick example. And so this comes back to that floor nailer. Mm-hmm. So both of these items I spent $100 on. So I bought a drill and I bought a floor nailer, okay? Mm -hmm. Floor nailer, one use, $100 per use. The drill, I've used well over 100 times. We'll conservatively say 100 I mean, it's uses. way more than that. I know. Like it's I probably two to 300. Probably use it weekly, um, maybe Yeah, you more use that. that a lot. Uh, and so that comes down to well under probably a dollar per use. And so the point is, like, these are just factors to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, in ways to identify as you're making new spending decisions yeah. and or thinking about past ones and what you can learn from that, um, this is just going to help you think through that. So yeah. anyway, all that to say, that's all phase one of this freedom loop is yeah. identifying some of these spending opportunities. There's just one way to do that. There's multiple ways to do that. But this is one way I wanted to highlight today. And mm -hmm. so the next part of this, I went too far. Uh-oh. Anyway, here we go. The next part is this manage component, Okay. And so if we take a step back and look at what it actually means to manage something, mm -hmm. um, dictionary.com says that it's to take charge or to take care of. And um, I wonder how many people, like, because I talk to people all the time who would say, uh, yeah, or if I asked you this question, are you doing that? Are you managing your money? Are you taking care of? Are you taking charge of Are you of being your money? the boss? And... Uh, there's a lot of people who would answer that question with no. Yeah. And that's what we're seeking to solve with this part of this freedom loop. You know, in Parable of Talents in Matthew 25, like it's a really strong clue for us that we have a responsibility, you know, to yeah. manage what we have been entrusted with well. Mm -hmm. And so here's well, a, well, go ahead. 
And, you know, okay, we have several different settings on our dishwasher. And sometimes my kids will push a bunch of buttons and it will go on the rinse cycle. So just because the dishwasher ran, the, the dishes are not actually getting clean. So what I would like to liken that to is just it just because you say you have a budget or something doesn't mean it's actually working for you and it's yeah. actually doing the best thing or the thing that you need it to do. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, because there's plenty of people who say that they budget when really all they're doing is tracking or looking to see what happened in the right. past, which is not budgeting. Yes. But we'll even get more to that later. But. Yeah. But anyway, here's a question to ask yourself. And I, I heard someone present this to see it was in a business book and was talking about, you know, CEOs and I'm the CEO of our organization, I mm-hmm. guess. And the question was this. If you got fired today and a new CEO came in, what would they do? What would they do differently from what you're doing now? Yeah. And what's really helpful about this question is it allows you to step outside of yourself and to evaluate what you are doing in light of what someone else would do. And it helps you take and an honest look. what you would hope look. they would do better than you. Yeah, it helps you take an honest look at um, what's actually going on and gets yeah. you outside of your fears and gets you outside of, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. And so we can apply this to our money and ask a similar question to us right now. So if I hired someone to manage all of your money, what would they do differently than you are doing right now? Mm. And And you can use this the same way. Like if you brought someone in, what would they do? And yeah. if they managed it, take this, if they managed it the way that you have been managing your money, would you give them a raise or would you fire them? And this can be really humbling, you know. I give you, myself a raise. Let's do that. When you take <laughs> when you take an honest look at yourself and what's going on. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's going to be really, really helpful. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's see. Come on, come on over here real quick. So, yeah, I want to look at – there's a couple of different ways to – there's a lot of things to talk about in this managed component. But what I want to highlight now is what we call the one-category budget. And so if you've read our book, Simple Money, Rich Life, you probably <laughs> – <Some of ours. laughs> A little Joe Bidenism there. Oh, my gosh. Um, if, we, uh, if you've read our book, you probably saw this in one of the chapters. But – but it, what I love about it is it's the 80-20 approach to budgeting mm-hmm. where you can get 80% of the results of budgeting with only doing 20% of the work. We and so like for this. people who are like, I swore off budgeting. I don't ever want to do that right. again. Um, this is the easiest, simplest thing you can do to start getting some of the benefits of it without committing all the time and energy towards mm-hmm. it. Okay. And so anyway, so I'll give you a quick example of what this looks like. Essentially, what you're doing is you're identifying the one category of spending that you are most likely to overspend on. Okay. And then you are going to open a checking account or get a gift card or get cash in an envelope or however you want to do it. Either one of those things mm-hmm. where you're going to put the money in that you want to spend for that month. And that is the only source that you're spending out of. Right. So okay? we did this for groceries. Yeah. So that's kind of where this all started for us. Yeah. And so what this looked like is if we want to only spend $500 a month on groceries, we're like, we can do, we can, that seems reasonable. But because we're not... Paying attention to our spending, we just end up spending six or seven hundred dollars a month on groceries. That's just what's happened the last few months. Okay, but not a thousand dollars on groceries. Just giving you a, another little tip there: is that be realistic with where you're reining it in. Yeah, that, and, and how you're reining it in. And if you end up saving a significant amount, great. But the point is, right. yes, be realistic with it. Right. Um, but anyway, so let's say what we would do in that case: if we're spending say seven hundred dollars a month, we want to get it down to five hundred. 
we'd open a checking account mm -hmm. and that checking account has its own debit card and we put $500 in there at the beginning of each month and that's for groceries only. Right. And simply by having that one category just with that money there, it puts some walls in place and it just adds just enough friction for us to rein in that spending mm -hmm. and to, if we are halfway through the month and we've already spent $350 on groceries, it's like, okay, but we need to, to tighten things up here. Yeah. And or like, yeah, we just need to find a way to do it. But the point is it gets you looking at it. Whereas yeah. when you're not looking at it, paying attention, if you spent 350 by mid month, you just keep spending and that gets you to 700. Right. So anyway, so this has been a really simple way that we've used to kind of um, and manage. Yeah. Honestly, ahead. just the other day, or maybe it was this morning, I was like, hey, Bob, our grocery budget's getting pretty low. We've got a week left. Do we think we can just eat what we have in the house or maybe yeah. just get like a few things to make meals out of what we already have. And you 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 get you start getting a little bit more creative, which is great, but also you just like you have to pay attention to what's going on. Otherwise, it's just so easy to overspend. Yep. Especially for me, I am a natural spender. You're a natural saver and I think your natural inclination is to like, you know, hoard money a little bit more. But I I'm just like, well, we have to eat, so I'm going to get the most expensive you know, whatever, the expensive candies and the expensive cheeses and, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's true, You're good right? At that. You're good at that. I mean, I've got great taste is what I have to say. Yeah. So <laughs> as we pull it in with managing and really start managing what we have better, what that looks like is now we're moving towards the redirect phase of mm -hmm. this. And this is where it gets really, really fun because now yeah. we're taking some of that surplus. And so... That extra one to two hundred dollars that we just saved, instead of wasting on groceries, now we can put that towards something that we actually want to spend on. That's right. more important to us, right? Yes, or it's something that we need to spend on. Like going back to the original thing of like getting out, breaking out of that chaos loop. Yeah, is like, oh shoot, okay, well we we have this unexpected expense. Now we have money that we can put towards that yeah. rather than. Um, you know, just spending it on something else fun. Sometimes you have to put it towards something that just needs to get done. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an example in our book where we talk about um, someone who uh, did this. Basically, they were paying $150 for cable each month and realized that cable TV was way on the left side of that matrix. And it's like they just weren't watching it. So mm -hmm. why are they spending money on it? Just because everybody else did. It's like you don't need to. And um so it's all the way in that left side of the matrix. They're like, let's get rid of that. And then at the same time, um, the guy realized, like, he looked at his bucket list, looked at something he'd been wanting to spend money towards for so long. He wanted to take flying lessons and learn mm -hmm. how to fly. That was like a bucket list item for him. And he did the research and realized, wait a minute, I can start taking flying lessons for $150 a month. So they were able to take the cable that they didn't care about and put that money towards something that they really did care about. Yeah. And that's just such a powerful thing because – I Most people in that situation would feel like that's just so far out of reach. Like that's just so beyond what's capable. But that's why it's so important to look at this and to understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, but you this redirection phase yeah. is, yeah, really, really powerful. And that's just one example of so many. I know right now, like we're in a situation where we have two cars and more than ever, we probably don't need two cars. And so like we could probably sell a car and get $10,000 for it. And, and so anyway, so just conversation that we're having right now and just trying to, I don't know, is it worth keeping? Is it worth getting rid of? And, you know, and it's a decision that everyone has to make individually right. based on your situation. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what we'll do. But the point is, like, be thinking about these things, you yeah. know, and it, thinking about, like, what would I rather do with $10,000? Like, I think we can come yes. up with some stuff. Yeah. Know? And I mean, if you are 
If you are brainstorming this with your uh, spouse, remember it's brainstorming. Don't shoot them down immediately. Think it through and like let it be a conversation. Um, because sometimes you come up with these crazy ideas where it it is very natural for me to be like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but I it mean, the whole, the whole point of it is to just be thinking beyond what is normal, right? Yeah. That's, that's the key yeah. here is like, think beyond what's normal and what does everybody else do and what have we always done? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And so once you begin redirecting that money towards something you value, this is when you move into this enjoy phase. And this mm. is really, really cool because yeah. you begin. Yeah. Because as you're doing that, you begin realizing like how fun this is because mm -hmm. now you are redirecting more of that money towards things that are important to you, whether that's spending or giving. And you can do this all without any spending guilt. You can do this without any fear. And in, in while you're... Um, eliminating like you're choosing to spend on what's more important to you so cutting out the cable like you can now have the joy of missing out rather than the fear of missing out which is a common term i've heard around the decluttering world um and i think it's just such a cool way to think about it it's like i now have the joy of missing out on having cable tv or the joy of if we right. chose to get rid of our car because i'm putting my right. money towards something that's more important that i want to do mm -hmm. and yeah. that's so empowering and it's so fun and once you kind of get into this this enjoyment phase, like this is where it's like you begin to see the downstream benefits of your actions, mm -hmm. you know. So like back to the chaos loop, the downstream act or event that happens after every action is that it gets worse. And so you do right. this one thing and then six months from now, everything's going to be worse than it is now. Yeah. And a year from now, everything's going to be worse. Whereas this is the opposite. So once you're at this point and you've made it to this point in the uh, freedom loop, you now can look ahead and see, wow, a year from now, everything's going to be better. If, yeah, if I just keep doing this. Yeah, I'm going to have less debt. I'm going to have yeah. more money saved. I'm going to have been, I'm going to have, <laughs> I will have been able to give more, I, whatever. Right. The point is you can see ahead and see that you're moving forward and you can see how things are going to benefit you over the long term. Right? Yes. And I mean, what is so surprising about people in the chaos loop and just continuing to stay in the chaos loop instead of this is that there's actually some enjoyment that comes out of this. Whereas the chaos loop, I don't think there's nearly as much like the payoff is not as not nearly yeah. as strong. No, absolutely. Like it, it's actually so much worse <sighs> but when this you is... just stay in that. Like it's like, you're always in this, just like, I, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to get out of this mm -hmm. feeling? Yeah. And this is what's crazy is I, before we ever went through a cycle of this loop, I had no interest in managing money. I had no interest in any money stuff. I'm like, I just, I don't want to think about it. I just want to pretend like it's not a thing. But once we went through this, as soon as you go through it, everything becomes really fun. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, how do I do more of that? Yeah. And then that's what leads you back to this number one again. It's like, all right, well, let's look for another opportunity. Like how yeah. do we keep this cycle going? And honestly, when you're in this loop, you're thinking about it a lot less than when you're in the other loop. Yep. Because in the other loop, it's just so much panic and it's such negative uh, feelings associated with it. But when you get in this loop, it's a lot more freeing. Yeah, yeah. it's the freedom loop. Yeah. No, it really is. And I, I like, but for it, me, it frees up your mind so that you're not bogged down and yeah. burdened with it. It frees up you financially, but also your mind. I mean, th there's so many so many positive benefits of this upward spiral. And yeah. and I know that I just had to go through that loop one time and I, I've been hooked for life. Yeah. Like, because once you experience that, um, 
Yeah, it's just addictive. Right. And so I want to just play a quick video from one of our students and his experience, because I love the way he's described this as well. Our expenses, expenses exceeded income, income by $507, $507 that, that month. month. In April, and actually I guess May, our income exceeds expenses by almost $1,200. <laughs> so there's a $1,700 monthly turnaround and we're giving six times more now than we did back in November. Oh my gosh. We actually crazy. had in, we had in our budget these organizations that are really important to us. And we put at the beginning of every month, like we're gonna give this much to this organization and this much here. By the time we got to that every single month, we're like, nope, maybe next month. Yeah. Now those same organizations are still in our budget and we're actually able to give. I felt like we had tried so many other systems and nothing had worked for us consistently. Every month we would start with, like by creating this pristine, budget. We know exactly where our, how much money is going to be coming in and what's going to be going out. As long as everything is perfect and we're perfect, this should be fine. And every single month consistently, we had significantly more money going out than money coming in. I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. Sometimes I'll do some of the, like the pre-work by myself in advance because I can't wait. I can't wait to see how things are shaking out for the month. Like yeah. it, we ju we look forward to talking about our personal finances. Yeah, It's amazing. I've never felt so compelled to reach out to the course creator and say, this has been actually life-changing. And I'm just so grateful. My wife is just so grateful. Yeah, uh, it's, it's been a huge turnaround for us. us. Very empowering. Yeah. That's crazy. So I love that. I love John's story. Um, and, and I think what I love about it is, um, yeah, for us, like just being completely transparent for you, like this whole system, this, um, the system, he's a student in our real money method course. Uh, I, I think the thing I love so much about it is I never planned on making this course and I just thought, well, this is kind of working for us. It probably, you know, I don't know if it'll help anybody else. And you all but forced me to turn it into a course yeah, because I just didn't think that much of it. And, and so when you create something and then someone else just gets amazing results, it's like, mm -hmm. this is so fun. This is so exciting. Yeah. And, and honestly, like we now have a page of, I don't know, probably 50 or a hundred like amazing testimonials like John's where it's like just been amazing to watch what God has done. Um, but anyway, all I have to say, just as a creator, it just is really, really exciting seeing people be impacted by the thing that you create, you know? Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so that I, but I loved what he said, um, this idea like of they now went through that cycle and now it's exciting for them to talk about. Yeah. Like him saying, I can't wait. Like I look at it early because I can't wait to see what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's so, crazy. But it's the, it's the same way that I felt where like for so many years, it's like, I don't want to look, I don't, yeah. I just want to ignore it. But, but once you go through that, it's like, it becomes addicting mm -hmm. and it becomes fun and exciting and you want to do more and you want to be proactive and you want to be ahead. And that's why it is like this cycle that just continues and builds on itself. Yeah. So anyway, so that is the chaos loop and the freedom loop. Um, I hope that um, you don't have a lot of chaos loop going on in your <laughs> life. And, and the fact is that these two can be working simultaneously. Like we have, we're dealing with a triggering event now that we're working to, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to squash and to keep yeah. in its place. But triggering events never stop. Mm -hmm. But the point is, is if you aren't moving forward in the freedom loop, like those triggering events, yeah, those triggering events can just 
derail you and pull you down so fast. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're trying to break out of. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so hopefully you found this helpful. Um, yeah. If you did, feel free to share it with a friend. Tag us on Instagram. Um, yeah. Take a screenshot of it, all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, anything else you want to share before we wrap up? I think that's it. All right. Have a great rest of your day. See ya. See y'all. All right. We want to know if you've heard about our flagship class called True Financial Freedom. Yeah. And if you haven't, it's more than just a money class. Mm -hmm. It's really about fulfilling your God-given purpose, breaking free from hidden money beliefs, and making a lasting impact. Yeah. And we've gotten feedback from students and they've said things like, it is the first class I've taken where at the end of each session, I felt equipped and not burdened. Yeah. And it's less theory and more realistic action steps and guidance. We've also heard it felt like a conversation with friends, which is awesome. Yeah, and it encouraged me in ways I didn't think I would ever experience. This class is on demand, and it's designed for churches and small groups as well as individuals. And you can get all the details at seedtime.com slash TFF.